Yo, 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 defenders. It's Friday. Can't necessarily say happy Friday, but it is Friday. At the very least, hopefully you don't have to work tomorrow. We can all lick our wounds and nurse those hangovers tomorrow. Mouse house mishaps, defenders. We are coming to you from Casa de Nina, a place that I invited myself to, if you listened to in episode 108. Yes, you did. <laughs> you all know me as the loud and proud, crude but not rude, energetic and poetic beast from the East, Christian Philly Filament. And with me in good times, and in bad, and even more so in bad, forever because we are birds of a feather, the king of neck-warming strings, the head of the class with Scarfstradamus forecasts, the molder of young minds who is far too clever and far too kind, the man who keeps feeding me Julius Peppers till I barf, J.R. Liebert. The scarf, and I gotta be honest, don't feel too much like Scarfstradamus today, not after the match that we just saw. You said it. Mouse House mishaps for sure. Look, there's going to be a few Disney references on the podcast. I would like to say right now, not super sure of everything that's going to come out of my partner, Christian Philly Philemon's mouth for a lot of this. But we did have yet another PK loss. This one stinging just as much as the last We're going to talk about the breakdown that happened in Orlando, the unfortunate 1-1 tie in regulation, only to lose our second match that has ever gone to PKs. We have never won a match in PKs. Philly, I was going to get excited because, you know, luckily we get an email from this group called Chartable, and I don't know how reliable Chartable's numbers are, but you know what? They're nice enough to send us an email, Philly. They're nice enough to send us an email about how we're doing in the United States markets as our podcast, in the Canadian markets, eh, as our podcast. But Philly, according to our last email, I'm going to I'm going to give a little happy moment, a little lighter moment here on the podcast to start. And then Lucy, you've got some explaining to do and I'll talk about that in just <laughs> Lucy. a minute. Lucy. Yeah, you're you're in a little bit of trouble, sir. But we are truly spreading the gospel of the black and gold worldwide, my friend. I would like to make the announcement to our millions. And millions. Of fans that we are now officially, according to Chartable, the 39th most listened to sports and recreation (laughs) podcast on Spotify in Vietnam. Scar, we got to hop on a plane to go to Ho Chi Minh City whenever the heck people are going to allow Americans across their borders. I think right now it might be Tunisia and then another like two or three other like places. Philly, will they even let us off the plane in Vietnam? Are we too big now? To, we are 39th on Spotify in the sports and recreation category. Scarf, I don't know if we could play Budokan. I know that's Japan, but I mean, I don't know if we're, we're that big. <laughs> Look, I, I've got to find a way, Philly, to get some of the levity out on this podcast because you and I both know this is not a pretty match today. But Philly, one of our wait what moments of the podcast, and I imagine there will be several because I saw Philly taking notes over the course of all of this. I also have notes, but... Phillies, we'll see what happens here. Again, the opinions expressed by Christian Philly Philemon are in no way related to the Defenders I love how he throws podcast. the disclaimer to me as if Philly rants or anything like he, that. He might every now and then. But Philly, you've got some splaining to do, my friend. We were on the phone with our friends over at AB Teamwear, and more on that, by the way, to come on a later episode. And during the conversation, Philly, you said a sentence that I never thought would come out of your mouth. You have some explaining to do, my friend. Here's the sentence that came out of your mouth. Oh, God. This was a couple days ago, and I don't even I don't even know what he's going to talk about right now. For a while, I was a huge Galaxy fan. <laughs> oh, this. Can you explain to the millions 
And millions of listeners. What in the world you meant when you said you were a huge Galaxy fan, sir? Look at Scarf throwing me uh, into the fire right now. <laughs> what I meant by Galaxy is not Carson Galaxy. Lord knows I've talked about them in the most derogatory ways as much as possible. No, we were talking about NFL Europe. Of all things, the most obscure topics conversation, <laughs> the NFL Europe League. So I just happened to mention living in Frankfurt that I used to go watch the Frankfurt Galaxy matches. So that's what's Scarf is referring to. Now, I'm sure you're probably wondering why Scarf and I aren't lamenting, sobbing, being angry, putting our head through walls, kicking, kicking holes in walls. The reason being is because we stopped for a moment. We took a deep breath, okay? And then we came to the conclusion that life goes on. And life will go on for all of us as well. I mentioned this earlier about JR, but it's so true in terms of the support for our club as well. We are there through the good, and we are there through the bad, and even more so in the bad. Today wasn't a very good day. We're going to go over that you know, plentifully within the course of the next like 60 to 45 minutes, however long this podcast goes. But one thing I can say... Throughout the history of this podcast, it's been sort of easy. Why? Because we have been blessed with the fact that LAFC has been a fantastic expansion team. Philly, 90 matches. 90 matches. This is only our 19th loss. Yeah, unbelievable. Whereas the other side of the equation, you have Orlando, who haven't even had a fraction of the success, finally have something to cheer for. Look, again, I'm trying to paint like pictures differently. I'm just as upset and perturbed as all of you, but we're going to get into that, you know, in a little bit. You know, you know how we structure the show. We're going to get into all that momentarily. We're going to get into this day in LAFC history, which is definitely a lot of people's favorite segments. Of course, we're going to talk about the match recap. We got several, wait, what, moments of the pod, and we're going to give a shout out at the end of the episode to a very close and dear special friend of ours. More on that later, but without any further ado... We're taking that deep breath, right? I don't know how many of you really enjoyed social studies or history back in the day, but we have the best damn teacher on the West Coast. Woo! Scarf, bless us with another lesson in LAFC history, brother. All right, so both dates in this day in LAFC history are all-star game related, Philly, and that's a little sad to me, to be perfectly honest, as if I needed another reason to have a tinge of sadness in my life right now, obviously, As many of you know, this past Wednesday, just a couple days ago, July 29th, would have been the MLS All-Star Game, which was scheduled to take place at the Cathedral of the Black and Gold Bank of California Stadium against a team of Liga MX All-Stars. So bummed that we couldn't watch our boys, likely five or six of them, who could have been All-Stars this year. We know that Carlos Vela would have made his third straight All-Star team, and hopefully for the third time as captain. And Carlos, we know that Diego Rossi, the way he has been playing, would have certainly made his second straight all-star team for LAFC. And maybe this would have finally been the year that Edward Atuesta, Eddie Segura, Latif Blessing would have all been all-stars for the first time, would have joined our offensive powerhouses out there on the pitch. Not to mention who was scheduled to coach the game, Philly, for the uh, MLS All-Stars. 
Who? Bob Bradley. No you know, way. the Supporter Shield winning coach. MLS record 72 points. One of the most accomplished coaches in the history of Major League Soccer. Anybody who wants to fire him a little bit more on that later, you can go do things that Philly will tell you to do in a little bit. <laughs> With that being said, here is a bit of an abbreviated This Day in LAFC history. We are recording this on Friday, July 31st. And last year at this time, of course, that was Carlos Vela and Walker Zimmerman making the start in the 2019 MLS All-Star Game, of course, versus Atletico Madrid. Mark Anthony K and Diego Rossi subbing in as Walker and Vela come out after halftime. And Rossi would sub out in the 76th. But that would mean Mark Anthony Kay would actually finish out the game. Joao Felix, a player who I was so looking forward to seeing Philly, we talked him up left and right on the podcast before that, subs in for Atletico Madrid in the 56th minute, and of course scores in the 85th, a game that MLS was never really in. We lost 3 nothing. That was today, July 31st, 2019, last year, and tomorrow, August 1st, 2018, that would be level 8 in Jumanji for all of you keeping score uh-huh. of what 2020 has been. If you have that on your defenders of the bang bingo card. <laughs> There you go. August 1st, 2018, Carlos Vela and Laurent Simon representing LAFC at the 2018 All-Star Game against Juventus. Vela, of course, selected to the starting 11 by winning EA Sports more than a vote contest and named captain. He assisted on Joseph Martinez's goal in the 26th minute, and both Simon and Vela subbing out at the half. The 1-1 tie when they left led to... A 5-3 loss in penalty kicks. More on losing in penalty kicks later. And that, unfortunately, Philly, has been this day in LAFC history. And Philly, 88 degrees, 65% humidity, our third game in just a couple of days. It's about time to get into the recap of the disaster in Orlando. You called it the House of the Mouse or Mouse House Mishaps, I believe is what we called it. And Philly, let's get into it here. LAFC takes on Orlando in the quarterfinals of the MLS's Back tournament. This tournament has been crazy. We have seen some major upsets. And unfortunately, as of today, we are one of those major upsets. We've seen Atlanta United go home without a win or a goal. And now no mo Frank DeBoer. We saw a lousy (laughs) NYCFC team crap the bed in the group stages, yet come alive to beat Maple Leaf FC with more goals in that match than their whole season. We've seen FC Cincinnati come out of the group stages and nearly take out the pesky pine trees of Portland. If you watch college basketball and you watch March Madness, you've seen upsets. And it sure sucks when it's your team that goes out. The Cinderella story that has played its way into Friday and unfortunately further Mouse House FC, and by the way, thank you to all of you out there that voted on it. It was between Mouse House FC and Cowardly Lion SC. Mouse House took it by a landslide. Scarf, we've talked about them being a noisemaker before this tourney kicked off. They were my dark horse. Now, we joke and we say that it's because they have acclimated to playing to the sounds of crickets chirping and having no fans. We have mentioned that their bodies are acclimated to that awful humidity that you referred to earlier. We know they have a fantastic, legendary former Manchester United player in Nani. They have a new gaffer in Oscar Perea, a man who is no stranger to this league, having played 183 games between his time at the Red, but mostly at FC Dallas. He most recently managed Cholos in the Liga Emekis. He had a pretty good stint as a gaffer at Dallas, where he went 97, 50, and 59. The player, though, that we were most interested in seeing, and I distinctly remember him from last year's All-Star game, Chris Mueller. 
Native of Schaumburg, Illinois, he played most of his college soccer at the University of Wisconsin. Go Indiana. He was drafted in 2018 as the sixth overall pick by Mousehouse FC. He had a hell of a first season, winning Rookie of the Year. On April 21st of 2018, this kid scored the fastest goal in Mousehouse history when 63 seconds into the match, he scored against the Smurfquakes. Every season, he has continued to improve. In four matches this season, the kid has four goals. Mousehouse also has our former number one draft pick from season one, a person who I probably would want to murder and obliterate as much as you do. No, that's just me being extreme and ranting. Joao Matinho, unbelievable that of all the players on that team, that guy has to stick it to a scarf. Yeah, Philly, you're absolutely right. Look, there has not been a better doormat other than, unfortunately, FC Cincinnati last year. In MLS since 2015, Philly, they have never won more games than they have lost in a season. In their first three years, Orlando City was led by former Milan and Real Madrid Brazilian superstar Kaká. And their current coach is their only coach to have a winning record. He's only coached seven games, but he's apparently doing something right. (laughs) This game is his seventh, like we talked about. He has now won four of the seven. Orlando has won less than 30% of their games that they have ever played in team history. They're coming into the match. Missing Dom Dwyer, one of their best players and one of the dirtiest players and a player that I love to hate. You mentioned it, coached by Oscar Perea. Almost 400 caps in the Colombian A division. Before he ended his career with 170 caps for FC Dallas, he also went on to coach FC Dallas. You talked about it. Supporter Shield and an Open Cup championship in 2016. Who was on that team, by the way? Walker Zimmerman. They have a kid who I was super impressed with in goal, Pedro Galese. And I got to see Pedro Galese up close and personal when I was in Peru with my kids. He was the goalie, by the way. If you want to talk about huge performances, in the 2019 Copa America tournament, he led Peru to an upset of Brazil in the run-up to the final where they played Brazil yet again and hung tough with them in the Copa America final. They had no business being there, but it was Pedro Galese that led the way. He also played in the 2018 World Cup. This is a seasoned keeper who we knew was going to keep his team in the match, provided he was even tested. More on that with our halftime numbers. You mentioned Joao. Oh, Joao. Oh, Joao. Starting Robin Jensen, Antonio Carlos, Juan, Chris Mueller, Mendez, Uri Rossell. And I was kind of bummed. I was really looking forward to this kid. There were several articles, and, and especially Coach Perea was all about Uri Rossell coming into this match. I really thought we'd see more from him. Mauricio Perea, the Uruguayo. That'll make Steve a little happier, at least. Hmm. The 2014 MLS Rookie of the Year in Tesho Akindele. And Nani, the five foot nine, 33 year old Dynamo, we know it, capped 147 times for your Manchester United Philly, scoring 25 goals. And oh, by the way, when he plays for his national team, which he's only done 112 times and scored 24 goals, he gets to play alongside the second best player in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo. Ooh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that. It'll <laughs> be the Messi versus Ronaldo debate. If you like Messi more than Ronaldo, sweet. If you don't, you hate me a little bit right now, but that's okay. <laughs> I actually love watching both of them play. I don't really have a horse in the race, but I just said that to generate a little buzz. Why not? Last year, Philly, he had 12 goals and six assists. Nani did en route to the real career capper of the honor that he was finally waiting for, an MLS Best 11 selection. We know that that's much better than winning the Premier League or anything like that. And Philly, this was a lineup 
They had put it on the telecast we were watching. They had won nine games last year, LAFC 21. They had a, what, a minus eight or minus nine goal differential, obviously. Stupid LAFC broke the record. There wasn't anything about this David and Goliath match that seemed fair. But look, I'm going to hopefully make a few friends in the Tigers right now. This team has reminded me a lot, Philly, of that South Korean World Cup team that had no business making the run that they did all the way to the semis where they played in the third place game in that 2002 World Cup. They had no business making that run, except they were the host nation, right? So, so they get to play, and all of a sudden, they just started doing some crazy things. Well, look, every team got to play in this unless you were Nashville or FC Dallas. And Orlando, used to the crowds that they have seen throughout this entire tournament, used to the humidity, used to the heat. Used to the crickets. Ugh. They found a way to pull off some magic in the MLS's back tournament. They won their group. Granted, they were tied with the Philadelphia Onions with points, uh, wins, losses, all that stuff, but they beat them out on goal differential. Philly was no slouch. No slouch at all. They continue to progress within the tournament after they thrashed BBQFC. BBQFC, in case you're wondering, is Sporting Kansas City. I was absolutely wondering what team that was, by the way. It is a city very well known for its barbecue sauce. Absolutely. Hence the name. No, we're, I get it now. <laughs> we're going to have names for all of these clubs as the season continues. Philly will have names for all these clubs as the season continues. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, perhaps we have a vote and all the millions. And millions. Can let us know which one your favorite nickname is. Look, their first match of the tournament, they took it to Beckham's Fighting Ibises. Two to one with goals from Mueller and Nani. That was a fairly exciting game to kick off the tournament. Miami struck first with Juan Aguadello beating Galese. But Nani found Mueller in the 70th. And right as time was about to expire, Nani drove one home, sending Beckham home to Posh Spice. Rough life, right? Match two saw Mousehouse FC put the shebang bang on NYCFC. As my old hometown team, I will nickname them last. Mueller punched in a brace. First in the fourth minute... Assisted by Joao, and then six minutes later with an assist from Dom Dwyer, who's not on the field today. NYCFC's Medina cut their lead in half before halftime, but Mousehouse held on, and oh boy, Tesho Akindeli silences baby Manchester Wait City. Wait a minute, first. that was supposed to be where you do your Mickey Mouse impersonation with the oh boy. Come on, we were. Ah, oh boy! There it is. Tesho silences baby Manchester City in the 81st, and that was the second match. Third match, they tied with the Philadelphia Onions. To get to us, they smacked around Thierry Henry when Tesho scored the only goal in that matchup. LAFC, we all know how they fared out. Why? Because you've been watching, keeping track, and of course listening to your favorite podcast, Defenders of the Bank. Now, the last two times that we squared off against these, this club, we had a, a, a win and a draw. We drew in the layer of the mouse on September 7th, powered by goals by Adrian Perez and Diego Rossi. That was a match that we actually could have lost. Had Rossi not scored in the 78th minute. Yikes. If you remember, that was at that stretch last season, Scarf, where NYCFC kept winning and we just kept tying for whatever reason. I do remember that. We never lost to Orlando, unfortunately, till today. We beat them 4-1 in Season 1 and tied them 2-2 in Season 2. So that's the story up till now. Probably more info than you cared to hear, but we like to inform you as well as entertain you. Now, Scarf gave you the starting lineups for Orlando. I'll quickly give them for LAFC. We have, and without a doubt, and hopefully some of you boo birds will silence yourselves for a little bit, but Kenneth Vermeer was the man between the pipes. 
We had the Cheeky Palacios, Eddie Segura, Dayan Yakovic, Tristan Blackman. Our midfield stayed the same. Mark Anthony K, Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing. Our front line, Diego Rossi, Bradley Wright Phillips, Raito. That was our starting lineup. Mouse House FC kicks things off to start the match scarf. Let's get into the tail of the tape. Look, six minute in, we had Latif picking Nani's pocket on a nice little play there. And I was hoping that would be a harbinger of things to come. And that was, you know, for the most part, Latif drew a lot of fouls in this game, drew a yellow card at least once in the course of this match, really did some good things. But I can't tell you how disappointing the eighth minute was. A bad early yellow from Cheeky Palacios for a foul on Chris Mueller. Luckily, Orlando followed it right up with their own yellow in the ninth by Juan. Hmm. But such a bad foul by Cheeky. More on bad fouls by Cheeky in a little bit. Huh. Look, I, I know we're going we're gonna to try and present as much of, you like to say it, Philly, a glass-half-full approach to this. But Cheeky had a rough game tonight. There's no getting around it. Cheeky Palacios did not have a good game. And for me, Philly, it started in the eighth minute with a bad yellow. Cheeky. You know, the 10 minutes into the game, there were a bunch of fouls. A couple yellows already issued out, and it would appear that we would have a slobber knocker of a contest. A shot of espresso into this match, and there's foul, and you get a foul, and you get a foul, and here's a yellow card for you, and here's a yellow card for you. It was looking ugly, but that first half didn't really have anything to it that was pretty to begin with. Playing in that 4-4-2, which they actually switched up from their previous lineup in the match against Montreal, they were taking it right up the middle, which normally on an offensive scheme like that, you would run off to the sides. Now, 10th minute, free kick by Nani, easy save for Vermeer. Vermeer got tested. In fact, our back line and our keeper got tested way more than Galesi and, and Mousehouse FC's back line. Philly, that was a big surprise, too, because going into it, I mean, we had shot after shot after shot coming in this tournament. We obviously let in goals. I mean, heck, Diego Rossi has scored more goals than almost every team in Major League Soccer. But you're absolutely right. In the first half, Orlando flipped the script. Again, flashing forward a little bit later, we're talking 27, 28, 29th minute. LAFC put on their back heels. Kenneth Vermeer needs to hand one over the crossbar in the 27th minute. I feel like yeah, the entire... That hit her off Antonio Carlos. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like the entire 29th and 30th minutes were OCSC just putting LAFC on their back heels, keeping a lot of the possession in and around our 18. We just didn't look like we were settled. But here is the, the lightning strike ability that LAFC has. A goal called back in the 32nd minute. Brian Rodriguez clearly just offside, so it was a good call by the officials, but BWP able to pounce on it and put it in the back of the net. Granted, we hadn't had a shot on goal up until that point, and we're going to talk about our numbers for shots and shots on target at halftime, but that was our first real chance of the entire first half, and it doesn't come until the 32nd minute. We did a good job to kind of win back possession and take control of the match a little bit over the course of the last 10 minutes of the half or so, Philly. But you were talking about an LAFC team that goes at least, we'll talk about this in a second, the first 32 minutes of the first half without even registering a shot. Yeah, they didn't let in a goal, thankfully. They didn't score a goal, unfortunately. I mean, both teams looked about as polished as a launch pad McQuack landing 
If you're a DuckTales fan, you know exactly what that means. Couldn't believe that that was the case. We're this far into the match. You know, we had a near shot. Raito's arm, unfortunately, was offside, and that caught, that waved the goal from for LAFC. If only that would have counted. Obviously, that would have made things a heck of a lot different. There were so many situations. People like to point the finger and blame individual players, but this truly is a team effort. And if anybody can say we played collectively well as a team, that's not the case. We didn't play well at all. There was miscommunication. You saw that on a couple of instances during some of these set pieces where there was no communication between Raito and, and Bradley Wright Phillips, Atuesta. They're passing the ball in there. It's like they were working on set pieces from practice. And for whatever reason, some of the people forgot to you know engage in, in, in that situation, that one particular instance yeah. where, where Atuesta threaded the needle and then it went through I believe I, I forget it was who, Eddie Segura it was Eddie Segura's yeah. legs and afterwards he's like what are you doing it's like they he, he clearly saw that they were working on a schematic from practice that didn't happen it's mental lapses the inability to communicate passing was was wasn't was actually awful we or uh, mouse house had the better of us on that we weren't communicating well we were turning the ball over luckily in the times that Vermeer was being tested, he was awake. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, Kenneth Vermeer looked really good. And, and by the way, I believe that's the same red jersey that went on sale at LAFC's app today. That was kind of neat that they released the LAFC goalkeeper jersey. Philly, another jersey for you to buy. For $109.99 plus taxes. <laughs> In the first minute of stoppage time, something that really hasn't been talked about quite enough by many people out there. And... I'm starting to see, and this is kind of nice, actually. You guys know this is Scarf talking here. I have been hopeful for Brian Rodriguez throughout the course of his time here at LAFC. I clearly see something in Brian Rodriguez that now on the LAFC fans page on Facebook and on every now and then on some of the other social media feeds, I'm starting to see some people see the same thing that I'm seeing. Two goals, four assists in this tournament. He's responsible for six goals, okay? He's starting to do things inside the system. The passes that he's laying off, the things that he is doing to generate chances, he's not just blatantly going after somebody 1v1. He still does need to work on his finishing touch for sure, but in that first minute of stoppage time, right after the hard foul on Latif Blessing by Joao Moutinho, who is quickly be rising up my list of players that I am not a big fan of. Yeah, he's there already for me. The cross by Brian Rodriguez, but nobody was on the end of it as it was deflected away. A good corner too, but nothing came of it. Rayuto has been taking a lot of our corners and set pieces, and they've looked really good. Remember the Mark Anthony K goal? It was Brian Rodriguez that set that up on the corner. Rayuto is looking better and better in the system for Bob Bradley, and I have a feeling, just like we've seen from Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, once the system becomes second nature for Brian Rodriguez, remember, this kid is all of 19 years old, same age as Bryce Duke, once the system becomes just part of how Brian Rodriguez plays, we are going to see more and more and more of good things for Brian Rodriguez Philly. Unfortunately, the half ends 0-0, a great half if you're OCSC, not the first half we were expecting from LAFC. You got to give credit where credit is due. It was an ugly and sloppy first half, and it played well into the hands of Mouse House FC. They did exactly what they were told to do. They matched LAFC's aggression, and, and they attacked. 
They definitely attacked. They had seven shots with three of them on target. Even though the half ended 0-0, we have a couple of goose eggs ourselves to throw up in there. Yeah, Philly, I'm going to go over all of LAFC's shots right now. Ready? Yep. All right, and that was all of LAFC's shots in the first half. Yeah. We're not exaggerating. We're not exaggerating at all. No shots. No shots on target. They had more possession. 52% to 48. Their passing accuracy was better. No chances created. We were tied on corners. It was a pretty pretty cheeky affair in terms of fouling. Nine fouls on their side, eight on ours. The only thing that we really did better than they did was we had two offside to their none. And, and we were tied with yellow cards, too. It was probably one of the uglier halves that we've seen our young club play in two and a quarter seasons. It wasn't pretty. Look, I know this is no excuse because these guys are professional athletes and things like conditioning and, and physical shape and all of that are what they get paid to do. But, Philly, it's been 75, 80, 90% humidity for a lot of these games. It's been 80 degrees, 85 degrees for a lot of these games. I'll say it right now. I think our guys look tired, and I'm not the only one that said that. Bob, you guys know our coach, Bob Bradley? He's the one that said it when they interviewed him in like the 70th minute. He said our guys look tired. We'll get more onto what he did to try and stem that in a little bit. But Philly, we looked at the first half and just thought this team looks dead. They look like they're playing in that soup that they have to breathe and move in, in that southern heat down there in Florida. It was rough. They just looked terrible. And Philly, the second half really didn't get much better, although we got an early yellow at least. A studs-up tackle by Pereira on Edward Atuesta leading to a yellow. And I thought, okay, we're going to put this team back on their heels. We're really going to come out firing. We're going to do what they did to us in the first half. And then Philly, the 55th minute. I I said it before at the start. I'm going to say it again. This was absolutely a nightmare of a game for Cheeky Palacios. A reckless challenge, especially from a player already on a yellow card. I mean, what are you thinking on this challenge? And that leads to a PK by none other than the guy who is probably the most qualified in Major League Soccer to take PKs. Except, except. He doesn't quite have the best history of this. It's your Manchester United former Red Devil, Nani, and Philly, you've had the back, just like I have, but I'll let you take over from here. You've had the back of our starting goalkeeper for quite some time, and there can be no doubt that this was a time where he made a big boy save. Absolutely. We've heard all the boo birds talk about how they don't like Vermeer, how they think he's an awful keeper. How can you come to that conclusion with just watching a couple of matches? Did you go back throughout the course of his history and watch his games at Ajax or watch his games for the Dutch national team? Here's a guy who actually is a veteran who hasn't been in this situation on multiple occasions. What did he do? He stepped up to the plate. He faced Nani. He blocked Nani. One hell of a save. Nani tried to beat him left. Vermeer predicted that. He went the right angle. Unbelievable save. Keeps us in the game. And it was a nerve-wracking situation. Orlando going into the half thinking they have a shot. That's the most dangerous thing you can do to a club like that. Make them think that they have a shot at contending with the heavyweight contender, the heavyweight champion, the heavyweight supporter shield champion. They thought they had a fighting chance. Had Nani converted that PK, who knows where this matchup could have been. But Vermeer made one hell of a save to thwart Nani's efforts. And as a result of that, 
Maybe it was a couple of minutes, but as a result of Vermeer's save, that ignited the club to a certain extent. That gave a jolt of excitement and electricity. A good defense is going to be your best offense. And minutes after that, in the 60th, Rossi steals the ball from Mendes, presses forward, crosses the ball, and meets Bradley Wright Phillips' left foot for LAFC's first goal of the game. Just like that, all starts with Vermeer. It ignites the boys. And we thought we were off to the races at this point. One shot. That's all it took for us. We were batting a thousand, man. We had one shot and one shot on target, counting that goal right there. Nothing before. Just the one shot. And look, as LAFC fans, are we not used to seeing players score with their left feet? Absolutely. Shooey, baby. But it was Bradley Wright Phillips with the left foot. I mean, is there anything this guy can't do? He was able to put it away. A great pass by Diego Rossi. You mentioned it. What a steal. What a pass by Diego Rossi. Just an incredible goal by Bradley Phillips. And we're up. We're up in the 60th. All right. Looking good. Diego Rossi nearly had another right back off the pass from BWP. But a couple of great plays by Galese. And unfortunately, he kept OCSC in the match. You hear it all the time during March Madness. The longer you let these underdogs stay in the game, the more they feel like they should be there. But Philly, just as big as Kenneth Vermeer's PK save was, was the great save he made in the 64th. Nani firing it in on goal. It deflects off of Eddie Segura. And look, if it's you or me, we're pulling a back muscle. We're getting stretchered off. It's that's not an easy. That happens just us walking onto the. No, I'm with you. Kenneth Vermeer turns and makes a right-handed save. What a reaction by Kenneth Vermeer. You're seeing his ability to react in the moment. A huge save in the 64th. And you know what? I didn't feel very bad in the 65th minute. We took out Joe Almutinho either. No. All I could think of is is he deserved it. But unfortunately, I think he remembered that play for the duration of the match. Because Joe Al, we're going to talk about that momentarily, definitely had some words that he wanted to leave with LAFC. Now, Vermeer did make one hell of a save. I mean, typically these types of situations when there's a shot that deflects off somebody in your back line, it never turns out for the better. But this time it did. Kenneth Vermeer was paying attention. It's, it's a good thing. One thing we didn't mention at the start of the second half, though, was uh, a big, big negative for Mouse House FC. Mueller didn't come into the game. He apparently came out with a shoulder injury. That put them in a situation where their leading scorer in this tourney wasn't to be found on the pitch. We thought we would have an opportunity. We thought we could strike hard with something like that. But not having Mueller didn't necessarily matter. Let's fast forward to the 73rd minute. Nani with a shot that Vermeer looked like he didn't see. Just oh. missed to the right. Oh. That was a scary uh, situation where Orlando, I'm sorry, Mousehouse FC could have gone up. How do we not even close out on him on that? We gave him all day. No, and, and clearly Vermeer didn't see it because he didn't budge. It was like Bingham in like one of the last matches the Galaxy <laughs> played. 75th, an awful lot happened in the box. Yakovic and Atuesta collide, and Atuesta looked pretty hurt and pretty banged up. And as we were watching the, the medical staff go to him, we're being enticed by the marketing peeps on TV to buy an Audi. Did you, did you ever find yourself wanting to buy an Audi during an injury timeout during a, an LAFC match? Look, I mentioned this on the last podcast. I could go for some Fruity Pebbles anytime I saw that Fruity Pebbles advertisement. But yeah. I got to be honest, I was worried about the Audi that Edward Atuesta had, not the Audi 
that they were, okay, I'm going to stop talking now. No, no, that was good. I, I like what you did there. He started getting up. He started walking. It was nice to see him come in. He went back into the match, although for a very short period of time. 77th minute, we had our first subs come in. We had Harvey come in for Palacios and Danny Masovsky come in for Bradley Wright Phillips. At one point, Harvey made contact with Jansen. He goes out. Smith comes in. So Harvey, being a little cheeky initially, Cifuentes coming into the game for Atuesta in the 81st minute. Atuesta took another hit, and he, he absolutely needed to come out. He was done at that point. There was no reason to have him go. And in the 81st minute, Rossi nearly scores again off of a throw-in. Thought, all right, well, they're still pressing. It's towards the end of the game, and maybe we're going to get that insurance policy that we need. Two minutes later, this is the one that kind of killed me. Musovsky passes the ball off to Raito. Raito connects back with Musovsky. Danny lets it go. That was his shot, but he missed it. That was a, such a wasted opportunity. Had he connected with that ball, he would have easily have beat Gillespie, and we could have gone up. I don't want to put the blame on individual players. In this sport, it is a silly and a selfish thing to do. It's a team effort. Could he have scored? Would it have helped? Sure. But so would have Rossi's attempt prior. So would have a lot of other things. Total collective team efforts. Here's a funny thing that we like to joke about, Scarf. In the 85th minute, it looks like Oscar Perea and his coaching staff are playing checkers. Yeah, I think it <laughs> might have been Trouble or Sorry or maybe Parcheesi. Something it, by Milton Bradley. It was really interesting to watch them just go to town, these two coaches kind of on their knees, moving pieces around. It was really interesting to watch, though. As somebody who is not as technically savvy about the sport of football as a lot of other people are, it was kind of neat for me to see this happening on the sideline. We, we equated it to Trouble or Checkers. But, you know, Philly, one thing that I really wanted to mention, you know, that 83rd minute, that pass from Brian Rodriguez, there were already people on social media as that pass was made saying, why doesn't Brian Rodriguez take the shot? He's the one that's a designated player. He's the one that they're paying all the money to. Danny Masovsky was signed from, you like to call it, Reno 911 FC right before the beginning of this, actually during the season sort of there. And I, I, look... That was the right pass to make in the system. Masovsky made his run. He mistimed his shot, missed it badly. If anything, sure, it's on Masovsky. But that was the right pass to make in the system. And we have seen Brian Rodriguez over and over and over again making the right pass in the system. Sure, there are a couple of times where you and I want Brian Rodriguez to break his man down, take him one-on-one, -on -one, and to put that ball in the back of the net. But he's making the right play in the system. And I know that there will still be people who will be upset about Brian Rodriguez and will not just won't like the pass, they'll be upset they didn't score two goals on that play. I couldn't agree less. Huh. I'm sorry. The performance that I have seen from Brian Rodriguez throughout the course of this tournament has been solid has been absolutely what we needed from our third DP moving forward to now once you have Carlos Vela on the end of that pass, running in the middle like he will be over the course of the season, are you kidding me? We truly have, for the first time in LAFC's history, a three-headed monster. You want to talk about DP issues? The New Jersey Energy Drinks only have one of them. They don't even have three DPs to have a three-headed monster with. We've got three quality-level attackers, the likes of which any other MLS team would be happy to have. 86 minute. Latif draws a yellow again, doing Latif blessing things. Working hard, making things happen. And just after that, look, we know that he's going to go down as the goat that this gets hung on for this game. 
But in the 88th, Diego Rossi to Jordan Harvey for a near goal. The save had to be made by Galese. Yeah. Jordan almost put us up 2 nothing. Yeah. Jordan almost salted this game away for us. We're going to get to the PK in a minute. But Jordan almost had the goal for us there. 89th, Eddie Segura. The dude came out of nowhere to track back. Yeah. And in the 90th, look, Tristan Blackman didn't have a great game today. No. But in the 90th minute, when we needed him to, Philly. He came through with one hell of a deflection. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that deflection led to a corner, which unfortunately led to Joe Almatino beating Jordan Harvey and scoring the equalizer. Did it have to be Joe Almatino? I mean, that's where I think it hurts the most. I mean, I know some of you people out there will think, well, at least it was an LAFC player. Yeah, I hope, I, no, I, I hope nobody I, thinks that. I, I, don't, I don't know either. I mean, that's just what I think. If anything, at least we got beat by one of our own. I, I, I think it kind of aggravates me a little more. That was Joao Matinho. I don't know what the story was with him, but you know, the one thing I will say is I love, I love Harvey, and I know a lot of you are, are tearing him apart on social media. I've seen this. Scarf brought up a really good point. Had he scored that goal, this would have been a different conversation and everybody would have had a different thing to say about Harvey. If there is anything that could have happened in that 77th minute, perhaps Harvey doesn't come into the game at this point and Bob subs in El Manier. I would have figured El Manier would have loved to have given a run to his old club. I figured it would have been fun seeing El Manier run towards Joao Matinho. That would have been a cool thing. El Manier has been a spark plug for us. He's done a lot of things throughout the course of this tournament. I think this is probably the only match he wasn't featured. I don't know if he was on the injury report. I didn't see that. The only person I know for a fact that couldn't play was Adama Diamande, and we've had Danilo Silva and Adrian Perez questionable with the same injury for the same amount of time, but, I mean, it is what it is. Joao scores. 90 plus 3, Orlando does get another shot on goal, but that's it. Whistle blows. We go to PKs, and this is the worst situation out of anything. It really is anybody's game at this point, and the better team doesn't necessarily win in these set of circumstances. Y'all remember what happened the last time we went to penalty kicks in a tournament, right? I do. I yelled in the middle of a crowded room, forgetting where I was, watching the game on my phone with Nina. We were at the Weezer concert, and we were just off to the side at this little bar area, and I forgot I was surrounded by normal human beings that were not watching the LAFC versus Houston Dynamo match, and when both Laurent Simon and Latif Blessing missed their PKs with Simons, by the way, that could have sent us in to the Open Cup next round. I believe it would have been the finals. I lost my mind. Totally forgot where I was, akin to yelling bomb in a crowded room or fire in a movie theater. I screamed at the top of my lungs, to which about four dozen people looked back at me as if I was going to start a huge fight. Saying so, Scarf. Oh, it definitely happened. PKs... We've only gone to twice now, and look, neither have gone our way. We lost in seven rounds of penalties to Houston in 2018, and we begin PKs here with Pancho Janela. If you had Pancho Janela at the start of the season for who you thought would take the first PK for LAFC, if something went to PKs, you should be now Scarf Stradamus and not me. Galese even got a piece of it. But what we loved about Pancho's shot, Philly, is he put all of it behind that shot there. Off of Galese, in, unfortunately, Perea scores for OCSC. And after the first round of PKs, we are knotted at Juan. Yep. The second shot, and this is where more animosity is going to come to this poor guy. Jordan Harvey hits the top of the crossbar. He fired that ball in. He would have easily beat Galese. Unfortunately, it didn't hit the section of the net that he wanted to. 
It hit the crossbar. And that puts us in an unfortunate set of circumstances. Smith, who subbed in earlier in the match for Jansen, faces off against Vermeer. I will tell you, the first couple of PKs against Vermeer, he guessed right. Yep. He guessed right, and he was met millimeters, inches, what, what, whatever set of you, whatever unit of measurement you want to use. He guessed right, but Smith puts Orlando up two to one. Yeah, Philly. Look, there's Jordan will be the first to tell you he wants no sympathy, right? He stepped up. It was his turn. He missed it. All of you were watching out there with the look and the body language on Jordan Harvey. He knew he had let his team down. He knew. That after, what, 370-some-odd games, whatever it was that Stu Holden said, this was a moment that he wanted back, okay? And if we're going to bury Jordan for this moment, we got to go back and look at the rest of his LAFC career and all of the wonderful things that he has contributed to our history so far. But yes, when you're out there on the island and you miss one, especially when you bang it off of the crossbar rather than having a keeper save it, you already feel terrible. And now look, does he deserve our sympathy? Does he deserve you know, our condolences? No, he would be the first to tell you. He takes responsibility for something like that. I just feel terrible because to me, if there's a nicer person in Major League Soccer playing right now, we haven't met him, Philly. <laughs> We've had the occasion of chatting with Jordan on many occasions. There is nothing that Jordan wants to do more than to help lead this team to silverware of any kind. I feel awful for Jordan Harvey in this situation. But at the end of the day, them's the breaks. And unfortunately, we would go and finish out our run of PKs, and so would Orlando, making all five. I don't think you ever put PKs on the goalie. Look, Vermeer has to guess, right? And you've got the easiest job in the world as as the shooter, All you're doing is trying to make them make a move. You mentioned it. Vermeer got a great hand on the first two. Not a lot happening on the last three. But look, Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, they did their job. Latif Blessing. Latif Blessing to finish it up. And and unfortunately, Philly, they had Nani waiting in the wings for number five. And the same guy who Kenneth Vermeer was able to stone earlier. I was surprised he didn't go the same way. Yeah. Kenneth Vermeer. But that being said, Philly, our run is over. Orlando City in the year where all hell has broken loose everywhere. Orlando City, the least successful team in Major League Soccer over the last five or six seasons, is moving on to the semifinals. I'm going to give you my angry Disney voice. You ready? Ready. If I could harness my inner Donald Duck. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. It, it, it ended... Orlando Cinderella run continues. And now they're going to face off against the winner of the Smurthquakes and Tyler Miller United. Awful. Just awful. There was a little tussle at the end. I'm not sure if anybody saw that. Not sure what happened. But what I can't believe is that, is that we did lose to an inferior team. The madness of this tournament continues. Now, the stat line, we can get into it. Look, we started having a couple more shots on goal. But if I read these numbers to you, it's probably going to make you even more nauseous. Well, what the hell? I'll do it anyway. 17 shots by Orlando. Five on target. 52% possession, 77% accuracy. I'll stop right there. LAFC, finally, eight shots, five of them on target. 48 possession, 
72% passing accuracy. We had more chances created. We were a bit, a bit more aggressive. They had more corners. They had way more fouls at 17 to our 11. Tied on offside, they had more yellow cards, more, more aggressive tackles. Here's the deal. We got lucky. When Cheeky had that foul in the box, oh, that should that have been, a, have been a second yellow. Absolutely. Without a doubt, that should have been a second yellow. So thankfully, he, he, that didn't happen because then we would have been playing a man down and this would have given us even, even worse odds of, of this match. But here's our synopsis and a couple of things that I want to address. I've heard people say this on countless occasions. This tournament means nothing. It actually does mean something. We collected and accumulated five points in the group stages towards our regular season. It mattered. It also would have mattered if we won because it would have given us $1.1 million as well as a Champions League berth. We don't have that. So to say that this tournament doesn't matter, you're fooling yourself. Number two, heard this and saw this. Fire Bob. (laughs) I'm sorry. And Scarf is probably going to throw the disclaimer on there, and he probably should. But if you truly believe that Bob is to blame for everything and that he needs to be fired, if you honestly believe that, then turn this podcast right off and go find yourself a new show to listen to. I do not want to hear this fire Bob rhetoric. If you're going to identify something like that, then you better have a damn good argument and a damn good solution as what to do. You're going to fire one of the most successful coaches in this league. Why? Because you're angry? I get it. You're entitled to feel how you want to feel. But as we've said and stressed on many of occasions, it is better to keep your mouth shut and have people assume you're the fool than to open your mouth or use, use social media and prove them right. Last but not least, what I'm going to say is you can't blame just Jordan Harvey. Okay, this is a team game. There are 11 people on that pitch and you're going to single-handedly put the blame on Harvey. This whole team is to blame. It's not Harvey's fault. He wasn't in the first half, a half where we had a goose egg with shots and shots on goal. He hit the crossbar. Unfortunate. Losing Joao on that corner. Unfortunate. But those aren't the only moments of the match that cost us. There were several others. Last thing I will say is this, defenders. LAFC gave us something to support and something to feel good in a time where we've had a lot of chaos, okay? I'm not telling you how to feel. I've gone through the gamut of emotions, and let me tell you, and don't get it twisted, recording a podcast after a match that we've witnessed like this isn't easy. I am trying to put my happy face on. It makes no sense to be this angry. It makes no sense to kick, scream, and yell bloody murder. Why? Because this too shall pass. There'll be other moments. This season isn't over. If you want to bring up the fact that this tournament means nothing, the one thing I will agree with is this tournament isn't the end all, okay? It does mean something, but it's not the end all. Feel however you want to feel, but take a deep breath. Have a sip of your drink. Chill out. Be thankful that you're alive and that sports is back and that you aren't laid up on a respirator. Keep that in the back of your mind. We support this club in good times and in bad and even more in bad times. You can't with your family, for example. You have a bunch of kids. You have the one kid who might be the, uh, the, the red-headed stepchild or, or the black sheep of the family. You don't cut him. You don't kick him to the curb when he messes up. You rally around each other, pump each other up, and move on to the next thing. There is no such thing as losing, okay? There really isn't. It's learning. We will learn from this situation. I've said this on previous podcasts, and we're still going to have a season to contend with and hopefully fix those holes. 
It hurts being kicked out of the tournament. But if this season resumes and we win the MLS trophy at the end of the season, are you still going to be that angry? Are you, Scarf? I think my rant is done. All right, so my turn. Sorry, I, I went off on a little rant. That's okay. For all the people that are upset at Jordan Harvey, I, I agree with you. I, I'm upset at Jordan Harvey. Jordan Harvey missed a PK. Jordan Harvey has 370-some-odd games in his career. Can't he find the netting on something like that? For all of you that are upset at Bob for not subbing in Mohamed El Munir in this match, who I think would have made a huge difference, especially personally over the way that Chiqui Palacios was playing. For all of you upset about that, I agree with you. For all of you upset at maybe Danny Masovsky, or for all of you upset at Joao Moutinho, of all people, for all of you upset at this game, at this situation, at the way we played, I agree with you. Except here's the difference between some of you and myself. What I'm going to do after I'm done being upset is take a look at the complete picture of things. See, we're pretty spoiled here in Los Angeles. We have a baseball team, the Dodgers, that have only won the last seven National League West division titles. So the playoffs are just assumed. Going deep into the playoffs are just assumed. Trying to win a World Series, even while teams are cheating, is just assumed. The Lakers are currently going for Banner 17 right now in their storied history. Much of the time that I have been alive, it's been led by guys like Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Pau Gasol, the true legends of this sport. And now we have a top five player of all time in LeBron James and Anthony Davis leading the way for hopefully banner number 17. We're spoiled here in this town. The Rams were in the Super Bowl. The Rams were the team to talk about. They have the best defensive player in the game right now, the best punter in the game right now, Johnny Hecker. So many reasons to celebrate year in and year out. We went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and beat him, what was it, 107 to 103 in that one game? Insane match. We have so many reasons. Look at the Los Angeles Kings, for those of you that are fans of LA sports. A couple Stanley Cups in this last decade. We are spoiled left and right, so when things don't go our way, and I am included in this, We get angry. We're not depressed Knicks fans that aren't used to winning. Love you. (laughs) We are used to being in the playoffs. We are used to winning championships. And we are not used to watching our team falter against the Orlando cities of the world. And when it happens, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be frustrated. Because what Philly just said was, this is sports. This is the distraction. This is, this is the love and the passion of our lives. But you know what? We wake up to our wives. We wake up to our husbands. We wake up to our sons, our daughters, our families. And then we realize, God, that was just a really terrible game LAFC played last night. And we're pissed about it for a couple of days, maybe a week, maybe two. Who knows when this season gets started again? I'll be pissed until it gets started again. <laughs> and then I get to cheer on the black and gold once more. I'm with you out there that are upset. But do you fire Bob? No. Do you bench Jordan Harvey? Do you bench Cheeky Palacios? Is that the last light of day that Danny Masovsky ever sees? No. Did we seize our moment? Absolutely not. 
But I would love to say that we've played 90 games and only lost 18 in our team's history, but unfortunately that total is 19. I would love to bring home the COVID Cup, the only one of these that there will ever be, but unfortunately that will not be the case. And at the end of the day, am I pissed? Sure I'm pissed. But life will go on, things will get better, and Bob Bradley, Jordan Harvey, Cheeky Palacios, and everybody else that was out there on the pitch, when we hold up our second straight supporter shield, when we finally lift MLS Cup, when we move on to the Champions League and are able to take on team after team after team on the world stage and succeed, I hope that y'all are ready to jump off the bandwagon now, get right back on with us once again to be faithful followers of the black and gold LAFC. Are we pissed now? Sure. Tomorrow will be better. I will say this. One thing that we have to keep in mind is the fact that look at where we got without our number one and our number three leading scores. You know, life could have been different if we had a healthy deal. We could have gone further. It sure would have helped. If Carlos Vela were here, would we have prevailed? Maybe. Maybe not. But it still goes to show you we scored a decent amount of goals in the five matches that we played. Diego Rossi has shown that he can carry this team. So that's a big boost of confidence for him and, and his play. We did the best we could with the situation that we've had. Again, this has been a crazy, crazy tournament. And in these one-match knockout tournaments, again, the best team doesn't always win. Now, if we're talking a best of this type of series, then without a doubt, LAFC should be the team that's more superior. But you never know. In one match, a one and done, anything can happen. Just go back to college basketball statistics and, 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 and watch that. Like Scarf said... Feel the way you want to feel for now, okay? But remember, take a deep breath because life will go on. LAFC will still be there tomorrow. LAFC will continue to play matches. And we will survive and we will thrive and we're going to advance. There is no losing. There is only learning, not only on the pitch, but in the game of life. If you can have that mindset and carry it with you, it'll take you places. It'd be amazed at how different your perspective will be and, and, and how much positivity you can affect in your own life. Utilize those tools. Yeah, Philly, to a uh, smooth segue from one of the more depressing games that you and I have had to do a podcast about. I to, still want to cry, by the way. Uh, dude, I'm with you. And, and by the way, Philly and I disagree a little bit on what he last said. He said there is no losing, only learning. Uh, there's losing and learning for me. I, uh, I don't like to lose, but I definitely try as best I can to learn from the loss. I think you learn more when you lose than you do when you win. Oh, that's 100% true. And I think those that don't learn from their losses are the ones that miss out the most. So in the smooth segue that we are so well known for here on Defenders of the Bank, we talk about losing and unfortunately... The pod fam, the LAFC podcast family is sort of, kind of losing one of our own and not just one of our own Philly, but in our wait, what moment of the end of this podcast, something that truly caught us by surprise, not just any podcaster, but the pod father himself, Jerry Jimenez, the founder, creator, leader of the Heart of LAFC podcast is stepping away from the podcast world a little bit here for LAFC. For all of you that know Jerry, you know that he is only able to do something 110% of the way the entire time. 
He gives all of himself to everything that he does, whether it's his family, whether it's his work, whether it's LAFC or podcasting with Joseph Zacker on Heart of LAFC. He gives 110% to everything he does. But as I have come to know, Philly, as you have come to know, as everybody has come to know, especially during this time of global pandemic, there are still only seven days in a week. There are still only 24 hours in a day. And unfortunately for Jerry, he's got a lot going on right now. And he is going to be stepping away from Heart of LAFC after, I believe, what, their 133rd episode August 3rd, they're going to do a live episode, Philly, and it'll be the last episode with Joseph and Jerry. And so we wanted to take this time to give props to the podfather himself. We would not be here if not for Jerry Jimenez. Without a doubt, listening to him and Joseph inspired JR, the scarf, and I to do Defenders of the Bank. Had it not been for Jerry and Heart of LAFC, there probably wouldn't have been a Philly in the scarf. Jerry, I don't know what it was. He just, he inspired us. And you coming into the pod fam, being the new kids on the block, you know, you're thinking to yourself, all right, these people are not going to be the friendliest to us. They're going to look at us like these Johnny-come-latelys. But Jerry and Joseph weren't like that at all. In fact, they embraced us. The first day I met Jerry was at an LAFC tailgate. He was so kind, so warm, so nice. My cynical, protective New York self was completely taken aback. <laughs> completely taken aback. He was just so nice. I, just, I wanted to give him a hug after meeting him rather than shake his hand. He's run a fantastic show. They, he's worked tirelessly. 130-plus episodes That's a testament. I mean, that's not easy. If you think running a podcast is easy, it really isn't. There's a lot of time and a lot of work that goes into this. It's not like we just sit here, have a couple of beers, and then record and and edit and make everything easy. It's not that case. It is time-consuming. And when you have two kids, you're married, you have all the responsibilities of a husband, being a provider, all that other stuff, and you live in San Diego, and you also run a podcast for other clubs. Look, there's a lot of responsibility on the man's plate. I don't fault him for his decision, but I do and I will miss him. And on August the 3rd, when we tune in to Heart of LAFC's last show with Jerry and Joseph, when he starts shedding some tears, I'm going to shed them right with him. Why? Because I have come to love Jerry and Joseph, and I have come to love Heart of LAFC just as much as I have come to love everybody in the pod fam. All right? Tune in on August the 3rd to listen to Jerry's final act on that show. And I don't say final act because I somehow get the feeling, Scarf, that he may, may come back on at some point. Guest appearances, who knows? He might be a guest on some other podcast that y'all are listening to. I don't know. That's to be seen. But August the 3rd, Jerry, Joseph, Heart of LAFC, they're going to be doing it on YouTube. Tune in. Defenders of the Bank will be there. Yeah, here's the other thing, too. I am really looking forward to what Joseph has up his sleeve next, whether it's more of Heart of LAFC, a different iteration of it. Jerry is such a great family man. He gives so much to his family. The only other person that I'm familiar with in the podcasting world that really has as much on his plate to juggle in terms of being a family man is Joseph. The guy who he's side-by-side with on this podcast. When you see Joseph walking through Bank of California Stadium, he usually has this barnacle attached to his leg that is one of his kids. He's got another barnacle attached to his shoulder. That's another one of his kids. He's got his family all around him. And for these two guys to have been as dedicated as they have been, you thought it was hard listening to Defenders of the Bank when we were covering 
gaming, LAFC gaming and nothing else when the global pandemic had shut mm. everything down. These guys were doing a podcast. Jerry started a podcast two years, I believe, before we ever even signed a player or had a team. You know how hard it is to generate content at that point? Well, I sure hope our jersey is a color that everybody's going to like. I sure hope they sign some people that'll put butts in the seats. He was doing all of this and coming up with creative and interesting content years before we even had a team. So, again, all the props in the world, all the love in the world to Jerry. I can't wait to see what Joseph has up his sleeve next. And we've got a little bit of a special ending on today's podcast, episode 109 of Defenders of the Bank. We're going to do a little tribute to our friends at Heart of LAFC. So before you hear the music play, Philly will cue it up in just a second. I would like to end our episode on a way that Jerry likes to end the episode by telling everybody out there, thank you for listening and to always stay golden.